Welcome back to the Why We Eat podcast. I'm Emily Berry, dietitian, mom, and lover of food. Each episode, we deep dive into reasons behind why we eat, plus give you tools and tips to help take that knowledge and turn it into habits that build the healthy lifestyle that you want. Now, if you're wanting more individualized support or guidance, please reach out to me on Instagram at Mama Berry Nutrition. Now, let's dive in. Today's episode is a huge topic. It is one of my favorite things to talk about. And in getting caught up with excitement to start talking about it, I forgot to do an introduction for the one, the only Adi. She is not only my friend, but a registered dietitian, owner of Everlong Nutrition, her virtual private practice. And she works with all sorts of people, helping them reach their health and weight loss goals through a holistic approach by looking at not only nutrition, but things such as sleep, which is today's topic. You can find her on Instagram, on TikTok, at Your Compassionate Dietitian, no dots, no dashes, or check out her website, myeverlongnutrition.com. Let's jump into today's topic. Hello, and welcome back to the Why We Eat podcast. I am so excited for today's episode. Not only are we going to be talking about one of the most important health habits that you can focus on, but I have my good friend Adi here to chat about it with me as well. Adi, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to dive into the topic. I know. I know this is one of the big topics that you work on with clients. Yeah, for sure. One of many, but something that is extremely important. And I would say it's definitely overlooked for sure in a nutrition and weight loss journey. Oh, definitely. People do not put enough emphasis on their sleep habits. In fact, I actually have effed up my sleep habits this week, which is funny how as dietitians, you know, we can have all of this knowledge, but then we turn around and we still have off days. Right, exactly. I just had a conversation with somebody this week about how, you know, when you're a health professional or when you're coaching, people, you know, they look to you as somebody to look up to, right? Which is great. But it's important to remember that we're human, we have our own struggles. And even though we try to do our best, we can't always be perfect, right? We can't always be, you know, on top of everything, especially you as a mom, for sure, you're gonna have off weeks. And so I think it's important to remember to just do your best, including for us, but not eat you know, 100% on everything every single day. Right. Because I always tell my clients, like, perfectionism is not the goal. Consistency is. And right. if you have a lapse in consistency, it's just best to go back to where you were. Of course, sometimes it is hard as a parent because after two to three days of staying up a little too late and deciding, hey, I'm going to focus on my sleep again, of course, my kid gets sick. Oh, not her fault, but it was not good timing. Bobby, catch strep another day. Yeah, seriously. Okay, so let's jump right in. As I said before, sleep is one of the most important, if not the most important health habit that we can focus on. Um, We'll get started just by talking about some of the things that sleep has an effect on, can help or hurt, which is pretty much everything. I firmly believe that like, Sleep equals health. So let's start by talking about how sleep can impact a weight loss journey because I know that's what a lot of our clients come to us wanting to embark on is is trying to lose weight. So sleep actually can make us 
eat more, not just from a place of low energy and wanting to, you know, get some quick energy from foods, having excess carb cravings, but it actually impacts our hormones. Our leptin can go up, which is our hunger hormone, and our ghrelin can go, or our leptin can go down, which is our fullness hormone, and our ghrelin can go up. See, this is why you should sleep because sleep also can cause some confusion and lack of focus. And that's where I'm at today. So take this lesson from me. Get your sleep. So on top of sleep, having a mental impact on you as far as your health choices, it also has this physical impact. And I think too often people think it's their fault when they are overeating on a low sleep day. Definitely. I think, you know, say I can't help but be, have cravings at night. I feel like I'm you know, stress is a whole nother topic, but sleep and stress completely affect your hormones. So it's actually not you. It's not your lack of willpower. It's nothing like that. It's hormones, right? When we are stressed, one thing I know you, you're probably going to dive into, another hormone is cortisol, right? When we are not sleeping a lot, um, our cortisol, our words really, really high stress, cortisol's increase, uh, and therefore we are craving more food. And so it's one thing to remember you know, when you have these cravings, when you feel like kind of out of control with food, taking a look at your sleep and asking yourself, okay, have I been sleeping four or five hours a night? Or am I getting the recommended six to eight hours that I need? Um, that is a huge factor in the way that your body's feel and what your body's going to want. And like you mentioned, it's look for that energy that you're not getting from sleep in a form of food or sugar or something that's going to just give you that quick fix, which is why I think we can all relate to not sleeping enough. And then the first thing we want is a coffee from Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts or whatever, maybe a sugary coffee to kind of wake us up, give us that energy and almost, almost fulfill the void of not sleeping. Yes, exactly. And on top of, you know, all of these hormone changes that are happening, this lack of energy that we were talking about, when you don't have the same focus, concentration, clarity, because your brain is lagging from this lack of sleep, like mine is today, it can be that much harder to focus on your health goals. So if you have all of these positive intentions, today I want to drink my water, I want to eat my vegetables, I want to go for a walk, but you just, your brain's not quite there, you aren't feeling as organized and clear in the day, all of your habits are just going to feel harder. Right, definitely. And I think that a lot of the time, we kind of mentioned this at the beginning, but a lot of the time clients come to me and they say, I'm doing everything, I'm not sleeping enough, right? Or when we question how much they're sleeping, that is the one thing. So even if on top of it, making it harder to get the things done that you want to get done and do those healthy habits when you don't have the energy, if you are, if you are doing all these things, but you're not sleeping, you are definitely going to be affected as well. You are not going to necessarily see the results you want. You're not going to feel good. You can be, you know, eating a very balanced diet, you could be moving your body, but if you're not sleeping, you kind of are missing the piece of that puzzle that's going to put everything together. Oh, I think that is an amazing point because a lot of people feel like exactly what you just described. I'm doing everything right. Why am I not losing weight? And it might just be one habit. It might just be right. their sleep because sleep has such an impact on our bodies, on their ability to function, on our brain's ability to function, that if you literally are checking all the boxes, but you're not checking sleep, it can hold you back. Like that one habit can hold you back. And, and normally we don't say that. Normally, you know, it's okay to lax on a few things here and there, which you struggle with, but sleep is just one of those areas that deserves the highest priority. 
Exactly. And I think that's where, you know, when as dietitians, people come to us and they think the only focus that we have is nutrition. When in fact, it's kind of backwards, right? Because you cannot work on your nutrition without focusing on stress management, sleep. I mean, you can, but you're not going to get the same results. And so I think that you make a good point that sleep should be priority one. Even if you're coming to a dietitian, you want to work on your nutrition, you want to reach your weight loss goals, look at these other things first, because it might not just be your nutrition that's out of line. You might want to start with, seriously, if you're sleeping four or five hours a night, you're going to bed late, you're on your phone till 2 a.m., et cetera, that is going to cause you a lot of, you know, um, what's the word, kind of take you a back a step instead of moving you forward. And that's where sleep and stress management really need to be focused on instead of just what are my calories? What is the nutrition I'm having? Those things really do play a huge role in your journey. And so checking those out first, then coming to nutrition is probably one thing that I would definitely recommend, especially if somebody isn't getting the results. That right, right. I mean, it's, I like to say it's like sleep and stress, which I will deep dive into on another podcast episode and another day. But those are two lifestyle factors that can really be the foundation of the rest of your lifestyle. And if that foundation is cracked and weak, everything built right. upon that is going to eventually fall off or, or just be weak. Exactly. So this has all been regarding weight loss, but sleep impacts our health in a million other ways too. So if you are listening to this and you're not on a weight loss journey, keep in mind that consistently not getting enough sleep puts you at a higher risk of heart disease, a higher risk of any diseases or conditions related to blood sugar control. So that would be like diabetes. Um, It can impact your immune function. Your immunity is lower when you're not getting enough sleep. It causes widespread chronic inflammation, which is just not good for our body for a lot of reasons. And it has a pretty massive effect on our mental health um, and can be related to things like anxiety, depression, even misconstruing social cues. So you might feel like the people around you are like mad at you or judging you because you just have a lack of sleep and your brain's not able to read their faces correctly. Right. And it's funny. It's so interesting because sometimes we look for these immediate, whether, you know, with health in general, health has a lot, there's a lot of, you know, diet culture in our society tells us, oh, look for immediate results. You know, don't think ahead, right? Don't think ahead about your health. It's what are we getting right now out of this? But as you bring that up, I think people listening should remember that this is the longevity of your health, right? It's not just that weight loss journey, whether or not you're on one. It's not just, oh, how is my body going to feel in a week, two weeks? It's what is this doing for me 10, 20, 30 years from now? And how is this affecting me? And this is one of those habits that is crucial. I mean, the, you know, people that, I used to work in hospital. I know you used to work um, in a clinical setting. And a lot of the people we saw with diabetes, kidney disease, a lot of lifestyle diseases that could be prevented, a lot of them say, you know, they didn't have the strongest habits. They didn't really know how to have healthy habits their whole lives. And then they're at this high risk or they already are diagnosed with the disease. So as you listen to this, remember that this isn't just about a week, two, three weeks out from now, how am I going to feel? It's seriously setting yourself up to be healthy long-term. Especially, I'm sure there's a lot of moms listening to this. It's setting that example for your kids. It's 
knowing that sleeping is important so that you're able to care for them as best as you can day to day and be there for them for the next 50, 60, 70 years to come. Yes. And to that point, I just want to reiterate that as a mom, it's super important to take care of yourself. When you are pouring into your own cup, then you are the best version of yourself. You're the best mom possible. If you constantly, you know, stay up too late to make sure your house is clean, that might be fulfilling one need, probably more of yours than of your kids is having a clean house. But putting that in place of sleep is, is going to impact you in a lot of ways. And if you were listening to this and like, yeah, Emily, but I've got a little kid and they do not sleep, or I have a lot of kids and their sleep schedules are really weird. I'm going to talk more about parenting sleep towards the end of this episode. So don't feel like we're coming at you of like, you have to just ignore your kids and go to sleep. Like I, I get it. Trust me. I get it. And I think also to, to your point too, Adi, is that like sleep, impacts our long-term health. It does. But the cool thing about it is we actually do feel some immediate results when we go from not sleeping enough to sleeping enough. I mean, literally one good night of sleep can make you feel better the next day. And it can be really hard in the moment to say, I'm going to put my phone down. I'm not going to hit next episode on Netflix. Like I'm going to go to sleep at a good time. But then when you wake up the next day, it's immediately worth it and it's long-term worth it. So let's talk a little bit about how to get better sleep because there's a reason that we all struggle with this. There's a reason that we're all not just automatically noticing all of the benefits and making sure that we block off eight hours at night for sleep. So what are some of your top tips, things you tell your clients? Yeah, definitely. So I think the first thing and kind of going on what we were talking about before with focusing on sleep as part of your many healthy habits to reach your goals, there's all these things come together. What the first thing I want to talk about is routines, morning and bedtime routines. But with that, not only do those things help you get better sleep, they really set you up to be successful in other ways. So what I mean is if you have a strong bedtime routine, and we'll kind of dive into some things that you can do to have a strong bedtime routine, you are more likely to get up on time, have a strong morning routine. That's most likely going to lead to making yourself a healthy breakfast, drinking water in the morning, moving your body in some way, shape or form, not rolling out of bed. And, you know, if you're working at home, getting on your laptop and pajamas or, you know, going into work, rushing, and then maybe you're shopping, grabbing something to eat. So all of these things come together. It's really, it comes full circle. And that's one thing that I think clients really like to see when they start working all these habits is, wow, it's way easier to get my proper nutrition and move my body and do all these things when I'm sleeping enough, when my stress is managed. And so yeah. bedtime routines, you know, morning routines, a lot of people talk about, they emphasize, but in order to have a strong morning routine, you need to have a strong bedtime routine. If you are not going to bed at a proper time, you're not going to get up and do your morning routine, or you're not going to feel great. You're going to have kind of a lousy day. You're going to be stressed, tired. And so some things that you can do for a proper bedtime routine are just first awareness, right? Noticing what are my bedtime habits like? Am I sitting up late in my, on my phone watching TV? Am I having conversations with people? You know, if you live at home, if you live with a roommate, a partner, kids, whatever it is, what does your evening look like, right? And once you kind of take a snapshot of what it looks like and you can begin to see what's positive, what's negative, you know, what's working well and what isn't, 
that's when you can begin to make changes. So I would say number one is becoming aware of your bedtime routine, of your sleep. You know, maybe we don't even notice that you're on your phone for an hour and a half at night before bed. Sometimes we just do it. It's a habit. You don't notice. So the first thing that I would recommend is if you find that you're watching TV, you're on an iPad, you're on your phone at night, is start by trying to decrease your screen time. So decreasing your screen time could definitely be hard, especially if that's, I've heard, you know, at night, but that's my time to relax. I'm sure I've heard like moms say, that's my only time at night to just sit. But it's really important to decrease that screen time because the blue light from screens is actually preventing our melatonin from being produced. And melatonin is the hormone that helps us feel sleepy, get to sleep, stay asleep, right? Have a restful night. And so when we are on our screens, when we are on our phones late, we end up um, not producing as much melatonin, making it harder to sleep. You're not going to have a good night's sleep. And so the first thing that I would recommend, um, if you have to be on your screen, absolutely have to be for work, I would recommend grabbing a pair of blue light block glasses. So they can be found on Amazon. They can be found in most, you know, I'm assuming most stores, something like Target, I've seen them. And they're just a pretty affordable way to reduce that light that gets in your eyes and that light that affects you um, at night while you're on the screen. So I would start there. The second thing that you can do is set a timer, right? So a lot of us, we are on our phones without knowing how much time we're spending on them and setting a timer for, okay, I'm going to sit on my phone for 20 minutes or 30 minutes. When the timer goes off, I'm going to start getting ready for bed or that's it. It's shut off time. Um, that can be extremely helpful because like Emily said, you'll just keep clicking next on Netflix and then three hours go by, right? And you've watched like an entire season of a show. So I think that's where timers can really, really be helpful. Yeah. Um, oh, I was just going to, I was going to say to your point on timers, I think that that is one of the most helpful tools for the mom that's like, I, yeah, my kids go to bed eight thirty nine o'clock. I, I maybe pick up a little bit and then I only have an hour to myself before I should be going to bed. If you are spending that entire hour on your phone or maybe even getting sucked in beyond that hour on your phone or watching TV, then just make it a split thing. Say, okay, I have this hour. The first 30 minutes, I'm, I will allow myself to do whatever on my phone. And then, you know, when my timer goes off, I have to go do my bedtime routine, which I'm sure you're about to give us ideas to not be on our phone for a bedtime routine. Yeah, definitely. So I think that like timers is great. That's a really good example. Um, Even the person that has stuff to finish at night, I know sometimes if I have a break in the middle of my day for some reason, and I have some work to finish at night, setting a timer, unless it's obviously a big project that you have to work on for you know whatever reason you have a deadline that's different but in general working at night i usually will set a timer for a shut off you know time to stop work because if i decide okay i want to finish this thing tonight instead of doing it in the middle of the day because whatever i had an appointment in the middle of the day and it took an hour out of my day or whatever it is having the timer for that work shut off time it doesn't have to be social media it's reading the news watching the news that's a big thing I hear a lot of the time, you know, I have clients that say, oh, I'll spend 40 minutes just reading the news at night. So it doesn't have to be social media. It can be news, work, whatever you're doing on your phone, videos, movies, you know, all of those things. Those little games Um, that suck you into the next level. (laughs) And then you're like, oh, I'm beating the game. I should just stay up till 4 a.m. 
So I think all of those are important. So a, lo- a big thing that Emily just alluded to that I get a lot is, okay, great. Well, what am I supposed to do at night, right? We're so glued to our phones and our laptops. Of course, um, especially this year with staying at home, working from home, and nobody can blame us, right? That's just kind of the way we live. But there's actually a lot of things that you can do instead of being on your phone at night. So the biggest thing that I would recommend is even if you don't live with somebody, maybe having a conversation, right? So looking at a screen is different than talking on the phone. And so if you live with somebody, a roommate, a partner, a friend, somebody that you live with that you can have conversations with, that is one way to spend your evening without being on your phone. That is one thing that you can do. That's definitely going to, you know, it's a good way to reflect, to just kind of spend time with someone, especially now while we're all kind of stuck at home. Um, that's one thing. Or calling a friend if you're unable to, if you don't live with anybody. Another thing you can do, obviously, weather pending, is going for a walk at night. I know uh, we walk our dog at night. That's kind of, you know, anywhere from like 45 minutes to over an hour. And that's usually how I'll spend my evening and then come home and, Usually I'm not on my screen because, you know, we go to bed, we're getting ready for bed and then we go to bed. So walking is a big thing. I have some clients that like going for walks. Um, they'll go with a family member, with a friend if they can. I have a few clients that knit or crochet. So finding a hobby that maybe you've wanted to start for a while and you have, you know, just never really got the chance. Maybe you did take up a new hobby during quarantine this year, but all of these things are things that can keep you busy. They can be relaxing. A big thing that I usually start with, but I'm kind of ending with now is journaling or reading, right? So some people don't like reading at night because they get too into a book and they feel like they can't sleep because they're thinking about what they read. Journaling or doing what I will call, or you know, people call it this, but a kind of a brain dump, which essentially just means taking everything in your head and just putting it on paper, right? So it doesn't have to be in this neat order, it can literally just be all the thoughts in your head. If you know, okay, next week, I want to get down these 20 things, and it's in my head, getting it out on paper can definitely help. So journaling and reading can be big ones, even doing a short meditation. If you're going to be on your phone for 30 minutes, especially like a mom, maybe taking another 10 minutes and doing like a quick yoga or a quick meditation from an app. Obviously, you're still kind of looking at your phone, but it's, it's different, right? Even if your phone's next to you, you're still doing that meditation or yoga for yourself. You're not just watching the screen the entire right. time. You're so not those staring are at the screen. I, mean, exactly. that's, I think that's the biggest difference because, you know, a lot of the things you're saying, meditation, yoga, those are things I like to do at night. And I don't even, I almost forget that that's even on my screen. Like I don't count it as screen time because it's, right. it's, it's glances. It's not staring. Oh, and audio books. That's another big one for me. I'm, oh, that's a good one. I'm not a big reader. I don't know why I don't like to look at the page. I like to listen. So, but yeah. And course, with audiobooks, I do have to set myself a timer even there to make sure I'm going to sleep. Right. And it's funny because nothing's going to be perfect, right? So if your goal is, I'm going to listen to an audiobook or I'm going to listen even a podcast, you didn't mention that, that's a start, right? So give yourself grace. If you go from being on your phone to listening to an audiobook and then you stay up an hour too late, that's okay. It's just beginning that process of decreasing screen time at night. And so if you do go to bed an hour late, okay, that's fine. Maybe the next tool you use is a timer, right? So that you got off your screen, now you're listening to an audiobook, but now we have to tackle getting to bed on time and not spending two, three hours listening to an audiobook, especially if you're laying in bed, it's easy to kind of get carried away there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and that's all like what habit setting is all about is taking 
one step forward. And then when you get good at that, take one more step forward and not being like, okay, they said I need eight hours of sleep. I'm only doing five. I work until midnight and I, you know, do X, Y, Z. It's not like right. going from that place to making sure I get eight hours at night. It's, it's just taking one step. One of these tips that a D has given and been like, that sounds like me. That sounds like something I could pretty easily implement tonight and give it right. a try. If it works, keep it up. If it doesn't, just try something different. The thing with health and healthy habits in general is that everything is customizable to you and your life. There isn't a perfect way to live. There's not a perfect way to eat. There's not a perfect way to sleep. You know, it's not like if you sleep 11 to 7, that's any better or worse than 10 to 6. But it's what is going to work with you, your life, your lifestyle, and just trying to be a little bit better. Exactly. And sleep is customizable as well, right? The person that lives alone, that totally sets their own schedule, that sleeps eight to nine hours. I mean, I have friends that say like, I cannot sleep under nine hours. They sleep nine hours. They don't have kids. They have the flexibility. They make sure that they get to bed at a certain time. So they get those full nine hours. I personally sleep anywhere from seven to seven and a half hours. And that's fine for me. Um, so it is customizable because that person that's sleeping nine is going to be probably different than a mom with a one-year-old, a two-year-old, or multiple kids on different schedules doing different things. And so, or we even um, work schedules, right? That's a big thing. I know you and I have both had clients that have worked nights or worked long shifts. And then we have clients that maybe only work six to eight hours a day versus 10 or 12. And so all of these things, it is customizable. We're not going to give the same tips or you're not really going to expect from yourself the same sleep schedule as the person next to you that is working half the amount of hours a day, right? Or has just a different job or a different lifestyle. And so that's where it's important. That's the whole comparison thing of maybe you have a friend that, oh, this person's always sleeping eight hours. I'm jealous. I can only get it six hours. But you have to remember what's going to work for you. And that's where taking these tips and completely making them yours and making them work for you. Maybe you know, the only time you get to relax at night and catch up with your text messages or your friends for the day is those 30 minutes a night. Okay, well, that's great. So maybe you spend 20, 25 minutes at night because that's your time. But then maybe you can do something else right before bed to kind of decompress between being on the phone and actually, you know, putting your head on the pillow to sleep. So I think taking these tips and actually thinking, like you said, how is it going to help me? Like, how is this going to help me in my life? Not will this help the person next to me is really what's going to make the difference for you um, in changing that habit. Right, right. And, and to that, I do kind of want to switch gears just a little bit and talk about parent-specific sleep habits because it, it's different. It's different when you become a parent and you look back on your non-kid years, like what was I even doing with my sleep? I could have had the opportunity to sleep eight hours and I chose not to. Like, how am I going to get even close to eight hours now. And if that resonates with you, if you're right there, maybe you have some not good sleepers or some like really little ones. And it's just, it's frustrating. Like it's okay to be frustrated with that because, well, for one, the lack of sleep is probably making you feel more frustrated, but the loss of control over your schedule is a really hard thing to adjust to. It's something I, as a parent, am still having a hard time adjusting to. My kid's over two years old and it's still a tough one for me. So. When it comes to you as a parent and your sleep habits, make it your goal to just set yourself up for success. Don't say, I'm going to sleep eight hours a night 
because you don't always have control over that. But set these habits up to try to say, did I do my best to get the most sleep I could? Did I put my phone down? Did I have a caffeine cutoff, which I'll talk about that in just a second. Did I have a good bedtime routine? Am I going to sleep and waking up around the same time each day to, you know, promote this habit? Um, or am I attempting to do that at least? And when you set yourself up best for success, that's, that's really all you can do. The other thing is be realistic with yourself. If you have a bad sleeper or you just have like a normal kid who's going through a bad sleep phase because they tend to do that like past the newborn stage. No one told me about that, but they do, especially when they're sick. Then get your spouse or partner on the same page with you if you have that support at home. If you have someone who's waking up, you know, every night at 4 a.m. and they, you know, they need attention, they're not going right back to sleep, or even if it is a quick back to sleep, ask your spouse to tag team. Maybe you all switch off, you know, every other night or... You can do Monday through Friday, but then on the weekends, you get the chance to catch up. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't think that, oh, well, maybe tonight's the night my kid's going to sleep and that'll give me the opportunity to finally catch up. Like, understand that your kid, if they have a current habit, they're probably going to keep it up. They're not going to change overnight, just like we're not going to change overnight. And, you know, get, get some help, get on board. If you don't have a spouse or partner at home, maybe it can be like an extended family member that you have a sleepover you know, have your kid have a sleepover there every week, every right. other week to give yourself that opportunity to really catch up on your sleep. Yeah, those are obviously really great tips. I can't relate from a parent level, but in general, those tips, while extremely helpful for moms, dads, um, you know, newborn and not, like you said, once, you know, once your kid's a few years old and these, are, and these habits continue that you said you didn't know about, those tips, though, can also be taken for anyone, right? Like setting yourself up for success and not assuming just sometimes what we'll do, too, I think is, and I'm sure parents do this or you do this, but we all do, is we go from that like all or nothing shift of, okay, well, and you talked about this earlier this week. You said I didn't sleep very well. So now, okay, the next three nights we go into, okay, I'm going to get eight, eight, nine hours of sleep tonight. I'm going to do everything right. And that itself, is not necessarily setting you up for success because maybe something comes up. Maybe you have to, you know, sometimes randomly on Wednesday, we'll remember, oh, we were laundry today, right? And we started at like seven o'clock at night and that throws the night off. So setting yourself up for success is key there. Mom, especially with parents, moms, dads, but even um, anybody, right? Because we, we do that to ourselves. We kind of say, okay, this healthy habit, was kind of fell to the wayside this week. And now I want to improve it. But you really have to take those small steps, kind of thinking about it as like a ladder, right? Like if I'm all the way at the bottom, and I'm not feeling very good, and I haven't been taking care of myself, what is one small step that I can take up? Not how am I going to climb to the top in a day, right? Or a week. And so I think, to your point about moms, and just in general, parents taking care of kids and it affecting their sleep and affecting their kind of stress levels, um, that's a really good tip that I think can be used for anybody and getting into the habit. If you know you're going to become a mom, getting into this kind of thinking of setting yourself up for success before you even become a parent. So then you're, you're basically good at it once you become a parent and you know, okay, this is going to be affected by my kid, but I know how to set myself up for success anyway, because I've been doing it. And that's how you're going to keep up with these healthy habits, no matter what. I also, I had a thought pop into my head that might have 
popped into some listeners' heads of like, well, if my newborn's not going to sleep anyways, don't I want to get used to not sleeping? And the answer is no. You do not want to train yourself to not sleep. Pregnancy will do that for you. (laughs) So Adi, I know that you are, you know, going to have to get going here soon. There are a few quick little tips that we haven't discussed yet. I just want to drop on our listeners before we wrap up. And I've kind of already said them a bit, but one is going to sleep and waking up at the same time helps Mm -hmm. your body to get into a good sleep routine. You know, your body's circadian rhythm is based in hormones, specifically cortisol, melatonin, among others. And when we are going to sleep and waking up around the same times each day, I tell my clients to try to go within an hour window. It, it helps our body to produce melatonin close to bedtime to start to produce cortisol as we wake up. So we go to bed, we fall asleep faster, and we wake up feeling more rested and ready to take on the day. The other one is a caffeine cutoff. Caffeine obviously makes us feel less tired. It can make it hard to fall asleep. It can make you get a lower quality sleep. Um, And I recommend eight hours before you are hitting the pillow, you need to stop having caffeine. If you're not even close to that, just like Adi said with the ladder, try to maybe back it up 30 minutes, one hour until you get to that eight hour mark. Um, And the last thing is just keep in mind that alcohol does negatively impact our sleep. I know it makes you feel sleepier. Maybe you fall asleep a little bit easier, but you don't get as high a quality sleep, as much deep sleep. And so when you wake up the next day, you're actually going off of a less quality night's sleep. Yeah, those are all, I mean, those are all amazing tips. And I think especially, I mean, I'm a huge coffee drinker. I'll drink coffee in the morning. And then sometimes it's my comfort in the middle of the day, right? Of just, especially like working from home. Um, But another thing to think about with caffeine, one kind of tip for co- big coffee drinkers is what are you looking to get from that cup, right? For me, it's almost like a warm hug. And so I'll make tea or I'll drink decaf coffee, or I will, I'll make it a point to have a variety of tea. So I have kind of that option in the middle of the day, because at, you know, 12 or one, sometimes, especially if it's a little chilly, I will want a warm drink. So if it's obviously from a dietitian's perspective, if it's, I can't get through the day, I'm, so tired, I'm hungry, I'm crashing at 1, 2, 3 p.m. Paul, Emily, or I will help you with that. No, <laughs> yeah. but seriously speaking, it could be nutrition that's keeping you tired, right? So if you find that you're using caffeine as a way to get energy, um, because maybe it's your nutrition that isn't that needs a little bit of work, um, maybe the amount you're eating, the balance plates that you're having, that needs to have some tweaks. But if you're having coffee to compensate for that, then coffee's affecting your sleep you're kind of going down down a ladder, right? Instead of up. And so that's one thing to be mindful of is if you constantly feel like you're laying in bed thinking about everything that you have to do or your head is like, your mind isn't stopping and you know it could be because you had caffeine at three, four or five o'clock. Maybe take, like I said, look at that, become aware, take note of that and say, okay, why am I having coffee at, in the afternoon? Is it because I feel hungry and sluggish? Could that be my nutrition? Can I swap it out for a cup of uh, herbal tea? All of these things are going to make a difference for you. So that's kind of from, like I said, a nutrition dietitian standpoint. Um, But that's a huge one because caffeine is the reason why I see a lot of clients struggling to get sleep is that second cup of coffee right in the middle of the afternoon. Yeah, definitely. And like you said, that 2 p.m. crash can very much be related to nutrition. 
not going to talk about that too much today since we're focusing on sleep, but hopefully in some upcoming episodes, I'll deep dive and maybe even have you back on because this has been an amazing conversation. Thank you so much for being here. And I forgot to ask you at the beginning of the podcast, Adi, where can we find you? So I thank you for having me. It has been fun. And this is such an important topic. And I think if anybody can grab one tip from here, just one little thing to kind of like think of it as a ladder, climb up that ladder one step at a time. Um, I think that will definitely help. So you can find me multiple places. So I am on um, Instagram at your compassionate dietitian, no spaces, no periods. Um, you can also reach me on my website at www.myeverlongnutrition.com. Um, you can email me, shoot me a, me- a contact form on there if you have any questions. Um, regarding sleep or regarding really anything, nutrition, health, mindfulness in general. Um, But yeah, it has been so much fun to be here. Yes. And thank you. Thank you so much. And I'm going to take some of these tips and implement them (laughs) into my evening tonight. And I hope you will too. Thank you guys so much for listening. I have really enjoyed our conversation today and I hope you have too. I hope you have taken away a few key points to climb up your ladder and implement a better sleep routine. You will feel so much better if you do. And this actually wraps up season one of the Why We Eat podcast, but don't worry, we will be back with more and have some of your favorite guests back again. Wishing you a happy and healthy week. Bye. Actually, hold on. One more quick thing is with me thinking and trying to come up with topics for next season, I really, really want your input. I created this podcast as a new way to reach you, to tell you about nutrition and the things that impact why you make the food decisions you do. So if there is a topic, a burning question that you have, please, please go check out the link down in the show notes to give us your opinion and have some input on the direction of this podcast for season two. Hope to see you there. Bye.